Well, good morning, everyone. It's April 14th, and I'm sitting here in my office. Uh, I was all of Lent I had gone through. Uh, for, well, first, of course, we started with our midweek Lenten services each Wednesday. And then when this whole corona thing came, I switched to doing a once a week, uh, like a podcast, I guess you'd call it, kind of like a message, not quite as serious and, te- uh, and intense as a structured Sunday sermon, but a chance to stay connected and uh, some chance for some reflection. And now that Lent is over, and we just got through Easter, and I'm certainly doing a little breather, but I'm looking ahead and realizing that uh, this might be a good opportunity uh, to do continue something like that. Uh, I'm going to try doing that, and I'm going to put a big, fat emphasis on the word try, and uh, because I know that as soon as I commit to it, something will come up one of these weeks. But at least for now, I'm going to continue the practice of a once-a-week reflection uh, that I'm just going to do on audio. And um, so you can, again, the idea is you can, you know, download it and play it in your car or uh, while you're painting your house or whatever it is that you're doing now. Uh, other, because there isn't much to see, you'd just be staring at me, watching me talk. That's not probably not uh, that exciting. So uh, here's my reflection uh, for this week. Here's going to be my first attempt at these, uh, my little sort of midweek podcasts, I guess I'll call them. And um, so now I'll start out uh, where I know everyone else is right now. And that's, of course, thinking about this whole coronavirus lockdown thing. Uh, It has created a weird situation for us where we have a lot of time, but we're not relaxed. And we're not relaxed because our lives are so filled with uncertainty, which is causing anxiety. Now, if this was a vacation, and we all knew we had a really long vacation, and you knew for sure your bills were getting paid and you had a paycheck when you came back and there was minimal risk of people getting sick, then I think we would be relaxing and kicking back. But now we really don't know that for sure. We don't know, uh, you know, in the last few years, the U.S. economy has moved more and more to one of service and entertainment. So, all, you know, restaurants and bars and clubs, they're all booming. But those are exactly the places you can't go right now. So a lot of us have anxiety about our jobs, uh, or we just flat out lost them, and there's anxiety about paying bills. And that's totally reasonable. And I have to think that the U.S. is probably one of the worst places in the world uh, for this. Our culture is not a slow culture. It's not the kind of place where we spend years carefully learning traditions and learning skills and listening to the elders for long periods of time. It's not the kind of world like, you know, where we uh, invest a lot in not doing much. We're an instant gratification culture. We're taught to get it and get it now. And it's one of the things that I think makes church and religion in general tough right now in the West. Because we're essentially telling people that we've got this great thing that that would really be great for them to embrace these ideas and these beliefs and these practices and they take regular work week after week year after year 
and we're telling people that they should check out this book and check out this Bible. And yeah, it's really cool, uh, but it's 66 books written over a thousand years in two different languages. The sheer amount of time just to get a handle on it is intense. So it's not an easy path, the spiritual path. It runs counter to our culture's way. And yet here we are today with the culture completely flipped on its head. We can't get instant gratification if we wanted. We're stuck in the house. You know, kind of like, at least I think like what my ancestors were like back in Scandinavia and Ireland when the cold winter would come. And there was no more harvesting to do and no more farming. And kind of all you could do was sit around the fire and you'd tell stories and read the scriptures, talk about your ancestors. We're stuck with a problem this virus and it has no cure and it can't be fixed by any drug or medicine and it can only be stopped by doing what is the hardest thing to do which is nothing we're stuck at home uh, but we're stuck at home worried and we don't have any control over this and we can't fix it and we can't predict it it's a bad situation to be in if you're a politician who needs results to stay in office Telling people to sit and do nothing while the economy tanks does not win you votes. Telling a business they can't be open for public safety does not win you the favor of that business owner. Doing things and getting results gets votes. So I worry, I really worry there's going to be this, this desire to reopen the country too quickly, to make that anxiety of waiting and worrying go away. To get those businesses moving and get those poll numbers up. And I worry that we're going to end up doing what they did in 1918 during the Spanish flu. And they had done all sorts of quarantining and isolating all through the spring and it got into the summer and World War II, or I'm sorry, World War I ended and all the troops were coming home and everybody flooded out into the streets to celebrate and they hadn't waited long enough and they had a second wave of the flu and a lot of the young men coming home got it and some of that had to do with a weird genetic fluke that most of them had gotten a particular virus as kids in the uh, early part of the century and their bodies tried to then fight off the Spanish flu with the wrong antibody. But it also was from a whole bunch of people rushing out onto the streets and celebrating and partying because we were so excited that we'd finally ended the war to end all wars, or so we thought. And then the second wave of the Spanish flu came through, and more people died of it in the second wave than in the first, and more people died of it that fall of 1918 than who died in World War I. Antsiness and impatience can kill, but they're part of the hardwiring of our society and our minds these days. You know, marketing doesn't promise slow results over years. That, that's a horrible sell. It's, see how fast my soap makes the grease go away in front of your eyes. And we've been wired to be impatient and perpetually entertained and amused and busy with endless activities. And now it's all just ground to a halt. 
will we be able to handle it? Or will we be like the kid who just can't, you know, stare at that bag of candy that's supposed to be rationed out at one candy a day and instead sneaks out at night and pigs out on the whole bags of chocolate and then on a family trip up the mountain gets car sick and pukes it all up? Will we be able to readjust and live in the moment, even if this turns out to be a long moment, and live with the uncomfortable feelings we have? Or are we going to rush to try to fix this and bring back normalcy and get rid of that, un- that discomfort and create comfort through familiarity? There's a practice. I got thinking about this. Uh, there's a practice that's done by both Franciscans and the Jesuits. These are two Catholic orders. And it has different names. The Jesuit name is the imagination of the place. The idea is that you spend some time in prayer and you open your heart and mind to God and pray that the Holy Spirit will guide your imagination and thoughts. And what you do is you go back to a scene in your life where you did something wrong or something you regret. And you recreate that moment in your mind with as much detail as you can. You imagine the furniture, the objects, the lighting, the people there, where you stood. You think of the smells and the sounds. So if if you were imagining something in a city, you'd imagine that fire truck zooming by or the train line rattling the building. You recreate that moment in your mind with as much detail as you can. You know, down to the furniture, the objects. And we know, we know your mind's not a camera, so this isn't going to be perfect. Just as detailed as you can remember it. Set the scene and don't rush. And then what you do is you slowly begin to act out the scene in your mind. You let it play like a, on a reel. And you watch what happens. What do people say? Where are they standing? What are people doing? What are you thinking as it's all unfolding? Or what do you feel as it's unfolding? And then you just let this play out. And then you get to the moment of decision where you're faced with the choice. And one of the things that struck me the most when, when I first did this was there's a special direction tucked in in parentheses when you get to this part that says something like, don't try to fix it or excuse it. Just stay in the moment. Even an apology or an admission of guilt can be a way of avoiding it. And that's the moment I realized we're in. We are in that moment right now. We are in a place where time has sort of ground to a halt and things are standing still, uh, except the parking lot at Lowe's and the drive-through at Chick-fil-A for some reason. Um, But there's all this anxiety and this discomfort. And we want so badly to just make it go away. To either just run from it and say, you know, this is all a hoax or a a media conspiracy or something. Or 
maybe we, we can just fix it with, with a drug. There's got to be a drug that works for this. We can't just bring ourselves to be in the moment. We can't bring ourselves to own the discomfort and not try to push it away somehow. Now, nobody likes discomfort or anxiety. We all hate it. It's a, it's a good thing. It's a good defense mechanism in our bodies to keep us alert to danger. It's designed to be uh, uncomfortable, to make us aware. But I think people in the old days were used to life being slower and more uncertain and more full of struggles, and that that's just how it was. And tough times didn't rattle them in the same way. It wasn't like it wasn't painful. It just didn't rattle them. And now, the second something is wrong, our first impulse is that it must be fixed. Where there's pain, it must be removed. Where there's discomfort, it must be somehow covered up with comfort. Instead, the spiritual exercise says to stay in the moment. Own your thoughts and feelings. Own the discomfort. You did it. Whatever this is that you're going through, you did it. Let that be a part of your life now. And then only after you've really soaked it in can you move on to the new decision. Because at that point, you've allowed the Holy Spirit the time to soak into you as well and move you and guide your thoughts. I remember doing this in seminary at this class at the Dominican House of Studies right there in Washington, D.C. And it was, it, it was kind of interesting. I didn't do the exercise in class. I was at home. But it was kind of our assignment was to do this. And this particular assignment was walking through a Bible passage doing the same kind of thing as we would with our own actions, but walking through it in a Bible passage. And at some point as you do this, the Spirit takes over, and things get outside of your control. And you realize that God's really there, and you're not in total control anymore. And you realize you've encountered something powerful here. It's why I sit around and I talk about dreams and visions being real. Because, yes, there are lots of kooks and liars out there, but that doesn't mean it doesn't happen. That it can't happen legitimately. But the preparation time is long. Because unwinding from the stress and the endless noise of life and all the busyness of the day, it takes a while. It's kind of like detoxing your brain. Or another analogy that always makes sense to me because I drive old cars is a high idle. You know, your, your engine's not going well if the second you turn it on, it immediately runs to 3,000 RPMs. It needs to get back down to a low idle. We, I think our minds are running at 3,000 RPMs and we need to bring them down to a low idle. We need to detox. But you get there by owning the moment that you're in. 
that doesn't mean you think the moment is fu- isn't full of unjust pain or that you're excusing it. You're not excusing anything. You're allowing yourself to be instead of trying to run from every discomfort to the next fix of entertainment. This is what a spiritual life looks like. It's not about escaping the world, but being more fully in it. Because it's God's world and God is fully in it. This isn't an either or. This is very much a both and. There's a book, another Catholic author, his name is Anthony DeMello. He spent years, a lot of years, in Asia learning Eastern mystical practices, and he wrote a book called Sadhana, I'm probably not pronouncing that right, A Way to God. And the subtitle is Christian Exercises in Eastern Form. In it, he talks about sitting and feeling what you feel in your body and not trying to avoid it or escape it. I'm going to read a chunk here because I can't say it better than he does. So here goes. One of the biggest enemies to prayer is nervous tension. This exercise helps you deal with that. The formula is a simple one. You relax when you come to your senses. When you become as fully conscious as possible of your body sensations, of the sounds around you, of your breathing, of the taste of something in your mouth. Far too many people live too much in their heads. They're most conscious of the thinking and fantasizing that's going on in their head and far too little conscious of the activity of their senses. As a result, they rarely live in the present. They're almost always in the past or in the future. In the past, regretting mistakes, feeling guilty about past sins, gloating over past achievements, resenting past injuries caused them by other people. Or in the future, dreading possible calamities and unpleasantness, anticipating future joys, dreaming of future events. To succeed in prayer, it is essential to develop the ability to make contact with the present and to stay there. End of the quote. So he goes on after this to talk about how to get sense awareness, how to spend time just uh, feeling what you feel and being aware of what's around you. Now, he, he takes it so far in, in one of his exercises that he says that, you know, when you would strike a pose, you would sit in that pose and not move. And if there was some little pain or an itch, you would, instead of trying to scratch the itch or readjusting your back, you would just sit and feel the pain in that moment. I'm not that dedicated. <laughs> I'd have, I, I would readjust. Um, I'd scratch. Uh, I want to be aware of my surroundings and the Holy Spirit and not have all my attention focused on my back, but I get the idea. In these times, we need to allow ourselves to be in the moment and not try to rush out or make it go away or jump the gun. 
We need the patience and spiritual presence to see the big picture. You know, the picture of ourselves and the neighbors that we're protecting. So stay safe again, everyone. These are my humble thoughts for the week. Uh, I hope you enjoy. Contact me if you do need anything. Uh, it's hard for me to be present with anyone in person, but I do have more time now to be present on the phone or online than I did before. So um, stay in touch uh, and uh, God bless.